app, the ESPN 1420 app, available for download in the App Store and Google Play. Download and tap away. What's up, sports fans? It's your boy Zion Williamson of the New Orleans Pelicans, and you're listening to The Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Thank you, Zion. Welcome back into the Great Scotch, everybody. Zion, another 30-point performance last night in a win over the Kings. But, boy, if you watched one half, um, hopefully you watched the first. If you watched the whole game, I I, I feel like last night's game really was just uh, um, an encapsulation of what the Pelicans are. Now, luckily they got the win, but so good one half, so just like – pulling of teeth and difficult to watch at times in the second. Fortunately, Sacramento was playing horrendous, so the Pels still got the win. Here to talk some Pelicans basketball with us is Christian Clark. He covers the Pelicans on the beat for the Times Picayune and the Advocate, NOLA.com. You can check out all his stuff. Good morning, Christian. How are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I think you I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, that was the story of the Pelicans season. They're great in the first half, and then the second half. I think my eyes started to bleed there. It was it was it was it was difficult to watch at times. It was stressful, and every now and then, you know, Ingram would do something great, and Zion would do something great, and you're like, okay, you know. But I, I I'm watching last night's game, and I'm, I'm I I find myself saying, okay, well, it's the second night of a road home back to back. It's you know late in the you know eighth game in twelve days. Obviously, they got tired legs, but then I'm like, okay. No, I'm what I'm trying to do is make sense of this team. But I, 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 I have learned my lesson this year that at times you just can't. Folks have used the words bipolar. I always just use the word extreme, like you know, a team that will set a great record one night and a bad record the next. It, it, there are things that, that this team does that you can't just explain away with. Oh well, that's youth or that's this, Christian. There's just there's times where I'm sure you, as a writer that covers this team every day. Uh, just you have to scratch your head and say, okay, I got, I got nothing here. I don't know the answer because no one does. No, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, you, I, you can, you can blame that to some degree, but I think their issues go uh, a, a little bit deeper. I mean, it's just I, like, look at this last three game stretch. I know they've won all three, but you know, Friday they handily beat a, a title contender of Philadelphia 76ers. And then, you know, they play like one of the worst rosters any NBA team has thrown out this season, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They, they're really bad to begin with, and they're, they're missing four of their starters, basically. And they, they really have to, to, to stretch and strain in that win. Um, you know, a, a couple of things of seeing why they give up these big leads or they just don't seem to have that, that, that sense of urgency. Um, you know, I, I don't want to. It's definitely not all of Brandon Ingram, but I, I mean, I think that's part of it. I think there are moments in the game where, like, they have the chance to just deliver this knockout blow, and and you know, he's part of why they just kind of let them off the hook. Um, and two, I mean, it's the the backcourt is just it's it's just kind of rough, man. I mean, much <laughs> anybody who's watched this team this year, I'm sure has. Uh, is not love what they saw, but I mean, so so much of it is on Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson too. That I mean, they they just have to be so good on offense to to score efficiently, and and a lot of the times they are. 
Um, I've, I have, you know, issues sometimes with Ingram's decision making, but it's just, it's just so much on them because the, the backcourt is in such a bad place. If they had good perimeter shooters, I feel like they would be, you know, in the 30 win column right now uh, because you see it nightly. I mean, let's clog the lane when Zion has the ball. And sometimes he's just so amazing. He still is able to score, but not when they got four or five guys. I mean, you kick it out to Bledsoe, chances are he's probably going to miss. It's almost as if the basketball guys were just laughing. It's like, okay, trade deadline. You guys want to trade Bledsoe. You're not going to do it, and we're going to make sure that a bunch of players on the roster get hurt so he has to play the most minutes suddenly. Like, it was just all at once. And with respect to him, he's just – I don't know if it's just – since he's been in the league for a minute now, that he just has lost some of that athletic burst and he still tries to rely on it and it's not there. The outside shooting isn't good. Um, you know, it's it's laughable to think he was first-team all-defense last year and Drew Holiday wasn't just watching him this year. And I know last year was last year, but he's just um, – the players stand up for him, the coaches stand up for him, they say the right things. But it felt like when they when they made the trade, and I said it at the time – with him and George Hill, I said, I hope Hill's the one that stays on the roster and not Bledsoe. Now, you know, turns out Hill was never really on the roster as it just got turned into a multi-team trade. But I never felt like Bledsoe was the right fit for this roster. And he has done nothing this year. You know, um, hats off to him for stretches here and there where he does something well. But he really has done nothing this year, Christian, to make me think that he should in any way be part of the long-term plans of this team, much, much less the short-term plans. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this summer, you know, he's going to have one year left on that deal. Um, I would I would be shocked if they don't move on from him this summer. I mean, I I guess there's an argument to be made that they didn't want to move him at the trade deadline because they don't want to have to give up, like, draft assets to get off that contract. You know, maybe you don't have to do that this summer. Um, we'll see. But, yeah, it's it's just unbelievably rough. I mean, it's... It, like I don't think anybody in the arena thinks one of those threes is going in when he lines it up, and then, you know, where he used to kind of make his bones was as a driver to the rim, and even that's kind of deserted him. I believe since the All Star break, he's shooting less than fifty percent on drives to the rim. Um, I mean, he, he's just not really a threat, at, you know, as a driver at the rim or as a three point shooter. And you know, at that point, it's not like he's like a setup guy in the half court. It's like you know what? Are, what are you out there for? Um, so I have to. I have to be honest. It's been a lot rougher than I imagined. Um, you know, especially on the defensive end. And I, I think you're right. Like George Hill would have definitely been a better fit. Um, you know, at least you count him to hit some spot up threes. Christian Clark, our guest. So uh, on a positive note here, because they did win last night. They have won two in a row. They have. You know, or more than that, I'm sorry, they won back to back, but three in a row. You go back to the win at Philly. I was there Friday. That was just awesome to see Zion. He's he's must see TV. Um, Jackson Hayes took a lot of heat early in the season, and you know I had some people that that come on with me. You know, uh, Norman Locke, who hosts in the afternoon, comes on with me on Thursday mornings. Kind of not on board with Jackson Hayes. Not to say that I was Christian, but he didn't like my take of look. He's 20. He's extremely raw. You knew he was raw, like, to give up on him. Sure, maybe he shouldn't be getting as many minutes, but uh, – and he didn't. He ended up, you know, going on the bench for a while, and um, I would say that in his current limited role, you've seen – I'm not going to say a gigantic leap, Christian, but I think a bigger leap in terms of 
productive minutes than I even anticipated just compared to three months ago. I mean, I, I think it's one of the, the biggest developments of the season. I mean, I would probably put, you know, the success they've had with Zion as the lead ball handler number one. But, um, you know, Jackson Hayes turning into a player is probably one of the most important, I don't know, three things that's happened this season. Um, somebody, I forgot who on Twitter joked a couple weeks ago, it looked like during Jackson's benching, somebody uploaded him with, like, uh, a matrix chip of how to play defense. I mean, that's been the difference for me. I mean, he's always had these, you know, incredible of athleticism, like, if, you know, an alley-oop here or there, like a dunk where he puts his entire arm, like, you know, shifts it back like 180 degrees and then dunks it. But, um, like, he's playing smart sound defense. And that was, I think that was probably my biggest criticism of him you know, first season and a half of his career is, you know, he's never in the right position. He was always fouling. He, he couldn't, you know, understand or just couldn't, you know, do or figure out how to go straight up and contest shots. He's kind of doing all those things now. Um, and it's, I mean, he, he's just like a fun guy to watch. I mean, he's one of, I think, the more enjoyable Pelicans to watch, maybe the second most, depending on your case, right behind Zion right now. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think... He's definitely turned a corner since that benching. James Johnson uh, coming over in the Reddick trade. I know he was battling an injured wrist, couldn't play in the second half last night, but feels like the kind of veteran that this team. I mean, if, look, if he could, if he could consistently hit a three, it would be, you know, an A plus trade. But I uh, can't do that. But but the but but the other things he brings to the table. Um, that you just clearly see on game day, and I would guess in practice in the locker room too, just feels like the kind of veteran this young team really needed. He's, he's been really good. Um, and, I mean, I think he is like a, 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 type, a type of player that they did need. They just, they just don't have a lot of depth at forward but he's behind Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. Um, I think the type of player he is, you know, a forward who can guard multiple positions, a guy who can put the ball on the floor and is, you know, a willing and capable passer at times. Like that's a, that's a useful player, you know, probably for almost any NBA team off the bench. But I mean, especially this Pelicans team, which just doesn't have very much depth behind Zion and Brandon. I mean, like I would, I don't know if there's a way to look this up, but I would love to know the percentage of time that Josh Hart was out there guarding a taller player. So I feel like there'd be 99%. Like they, they leaned on Josh so heavily to, to guard, you know, big, rangy wings, and I think he did a pretty good job of that. But, you know, part of that was that they just they just don't have anybody behind Brandon and Zion. And, um, you know, for the past week, you know, not only did they have James Johnson, uh, Najee Marshall has had some nice moments, you know, a, a two-way guy. I mean, anytime you have value on a two-way contract, that's great. So um, I think those are all good things. ESPN1420.com. It's the great Scott show. We're visiting with Christian Clark of the TimespeakUnionola.com and the advocate on the beat who covers the Pelicans. Uh, Josh Hart. I love Josh Hart. Uh, I'm a Hart stan, but I have to ask you the question. Have we seen him play his last Pelicans game? Ooh, man, that's a, that's a tricky one. Um, I would, if I, had to, if I had to guess, I would say no. Um, I think, you know, I mean, I think they're going to try to bring it back this summer. I think it's just going to depend on the number. Um, but uh, I would say he's back, but I, I do think it's, uh, 
I think I think it's going to be close. Yeah, I mean it's it's a question you got to ask yourself because I don't think we're going to see him again this season. It's such a tremendous loss for many reasons. Uh, on the on the injury front, Lonzo Ball, Nikhil Alexander Walker. When do you think you'll the Pelicans will get these guys back on the court? Um, I would expect Lonzo back sometime within the next week. Um, you know, everything I've heard is that it's it's just a minor thing. Um, and with Nikhil Alexander Walker. You know, the initial timetable the team gave was two weeks. Um, you know, I'm, that's something I'm going to check in in about a week from now. That's when the two weeks will be over. I mean, high, high ankle sprains, as I'm sure you know, are just super tricky. I believe, uh, you know, LeBron is dealing with something similar. So, yeah, high ankle sprains are not to be messed around. No, I was in a, he was in a walking boot there for, for a while. I think he might have got out of it, but that's a, that's a painful one. Coming up, you've got uh, the Knicks twice, the Wizards in there, the Nets, the Magic. So, you know, a lot of folks are saying, man, for the next five or against teams, they could, should. I'm like, look, the Knicks, Knicks got a better record than the Pelicans. You can't look at the Knicks as the same old Knicks. Uh, they're feisty. Randall's playing his best ball. for Payton's playing well. Just Tom Thibodeau. Um, the hope is that the Pelicans can get some decent rest here because it's been a pretty rigorous road trip and – Maybe enjoy a day off, but what what do you anticipate here over the next week for the Pels, who are one game back of the ten spot in the West, two games back of the nine spot? And I know with the season ending in a little over a month, a lot of folks are saying, "Man, we'd love to at least get to see him play beyond May sixteenth, which is the regular season finale." Yeah, I mean, I think the the first thing is exactly what you said: a day off. They just finished a stretch where they played eight games in twelve days. I mean, I, I can tell you that I felt that, and I'm just like a guy who, you know, nitpicks the team behind the keyboard. I'm, I can't imagine what Stan Van Gundy and the players were feeling. I mean, this this season really has been just grueling in terms of like the pace of the games. There's there's just so many games in such a little amount of time. Um, but I mean, I think there is a real opportunity to make the playing tournament here, and you know, I know they have, they have these two young all stars, and you're taking the long view, but I mean, in my opinion, I think it should really be an important goal to make this play in tournament. Like, that's not that high of a bar to clear. Finish 10th or higher in the West. I mean, I know the West is very, very difficult, but I mean, to me, like, I don't want to say the season is a disappointment, but I think it'd be highly disappointing if they if they're not able to make this play in tournament. San Antonio, I think, has the second or third toughest schedule the rest of the way. So, you know, they're I think maybe a team that can be had and passed. Um, and then, yeah, hope, hopefully, you know, once if you get that playing tournament, you know, you got to win. Uh, you got to win two games. Well, if you can get into a nine spot and, and face off against Memphis, I think ideal uh, matchup wise. Plus, plus would be fun. I know the NBA would like it because they could promote Zion and Ja, and uh, and it would, you know, it's it's it, like you said, it's not a lofty goal. It should be. You know, with ten teams getting in, that that's the expectation here. You know, anyone that's expecting them to, you know, make a run or something this year, I think is just in a microwave society. They're building this thing, but if they don't get in the in the in the ten, you know, top ten in the West and don't even have that opportunity, I think that's a big disappointment this season. I think you got to shoot higher than that. Yeah, look, there's there's no question about it. Um, I mean, I think what's exciting um about the season to me is that they figured out the best way to use zion and i think i think that's going to inform like how they build this team moving forward like i think 
they're going to only continue to play kind of at like that that lead ball handler spot. And I mean, I'm I'm really how they kind of split out around him this summer because I think, I mean, I just think it's a really important piece of information that they figured out. Like, here's our best guy, and we now know the best way to use him. Um, so, you know, kind of a big picture thing. I I think that's uh that's really exciting, and um, no matter what happens, I'm, I'm playing tournament. Um, that was a really important development. Pelicans beat writer Christian Clark has been our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at cclark3000. Check out all his stuff over at nola.com. Christian, I appreciate the time, man. All the best. And um, I typically hear your voice when you're asking Van Gundy a question in postgame or one of the players, so it's good to talk with you for the first time. I, you know, I think we chatted last in December, and to show you just how different things change, it was early in the season, and the conversation was about how it's Brandon Ingram's team and you know, Zion was still having some of those sophomore struggles, and now here we are in April, and it's like Zion mania, man. It's it's uh, it didn't take long, but once it took off, man, it's been it's been fun to watch. I I mean, I can't believe there's a guy who scores twenty eight on like twelve or sixteen shooting and just makes it look like light work. It's amazing. Appreciate the time, man. All the best. We'll talk to you in the future. All right, thanks. That's Christian Clark.